This is ND Insider's Pot of Gold. Now, with all things Notre Dame football, here's Tom Noy, Mike Berardino, and Austin Huff. From the WNDU studios, home to Countdown to Kickoff. Like Matlock said, this is the Pot of Gold, a midweek edition. And guess what? We are no longer just kind of thinking what's going to happen with Notre Dame football, this, that. We're going off practice reports. We're going off five period viewing windows. We actually can talk about an, an actual college football game. Notre Dame, 42, Navy, 3 in Dublin. Number 13, Irish are 1-0. and They return home to face Tennessee State. We're going deep into Tennessee State later on in the program. Oh, yeah. Or maybe not. Eh, kind of. Eh, we'll see. He is Mike Berardino. I am Tom Noy. And pot of gold, Mike Berardino, home from Ireland, the highlight of the trip. The return trip? What, what was the highlight of your, your, your visit to the Emerald Isle? It has to be the return trip. No, I, I'm going to go uh, <laughs> off the grid for you. Um, the we, highlight was running into... Our old South Florida uh, travel soccer friends, uh, the Hearns. Uh, J.J. Hearn, uh, uh-huh. attorney from South Florida, is a Notre Dame grad, and uh, uh, he's the city attorney, I believe, for Coral Springs. And uh, our daughters were great friends when, when uh, Marina, my daughter, was growing up, and, and their daughter, Mary-Kate. And I'm walking down the, the, uh, the side streets in Dublin on Sunday, late afternoon, after filing the last thing I would file from there, and... Uh, uh, I, somebody calls my name, and it's our good friends, and we just they just and what the best thing was, because uh, I recognized them right away, and and he said that they recognized me right away. He said, you haven't changed a bit, and uh, you know it's been eleven years, so uh-huh. I will take that. I will take that, and uh, we did a quick uh, selfie there together, and um, and it's been uh, you know recorded for posterity. These are great people. They're JJ's coming back up here, I believe, for the Ohio State game, and. Um, I hope to see him then, but uh, yeah, that was the highlight because and this was, you know, when there's forty thousand Americans uh, on the ground there, and and uh, thirty two thousand of them, I guess, were Notre Dame uh, centric, but Notre, it was like so much slanted toward Notre Dame the whole thing uh, from the minute you got there. Um, of course, I was going to run into somebody like that, and uh, I couldn't have picked a better family, good people, the Hearns. As you're waiting to make your way back stateside. What's maybe the one thought you had about Notre Dame football and, and watching them play this game against Navy? Like, like what your 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 first first impression of Notre Dame football 2023? What would it be? <laughs> you don't want me to answer that, pal. I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> but that, we uh, do. We do want you to answer that. Well, you know how I wrote about it. I wrote about it from a pub there. So, um, and and I did that, you know, out of necessity. Uh, necessity is the mother of invention. So, um, what I found was. Uh, uh, you know, it took a trip to Ireland and uh, and the power of Guinness to get Joe Montana back into the fold. You know, Dude. I didn't I didn't score any time with Joe Montana, but certainly to see him on the screen in the fourth quarter, um, uh, being inter- interviewed and uh, and then you know, I guess uh, palling around during a blowout with Ron Paulus <laughs> on the sideline. There was a lot of fun on social media about that. What could Joe have been saying there? Um, or or vice versa, but it's nice to see him back in the fold. I think you know what he was saying. He was saying it's about time Brian Kelly's somewhere else in Notre Dame. Yeah, that's right. You know, there's uh, like you know, it's he, about he time Brian Kelly's in LSU and no longer coaching Notre Dame. They could have got him back last year, but I think it was the perfect storm there with, with the whole Guinness thing. 
And um, yeah, I had you know had two pints while I was there. That's it. Uh, but uh, I was there as working trip. I was. I'd like to shout out to Dan Patrick for uh, for uh, uh, not viewing me as a stalker and and, uh, and actually stopping when I recognized him on the street. When I you know like a few steps out of the Starbucks, ready to go find some action there on Temple Bar to to write about what is the mood on the ground. And there's Dan Patrick, and he was nice. He was already visiting with some Notre Dame folks on the side. Just uh, some random fans, and there were, again, so many. And then I asked for a couple minutes. He gave me three minutes of gold and got, gave me a chance to write about Will Ferrell nice. in a scene-setting thing, and I didn't get to interact. Now, I have interviewed Will Ferrell before, uh, before Ricky Bobby came out for Talladega Nights. I think there was concern that that film would not resonate with its uh, NASCAR diehards out there. So whatever, some some marketing genius there decided to put uh will ferrell in front of a bunch of sports writers in south florida and at the sun sentinel i was one of those and it, he he couldn't have been nicer either so this was a, a three-minute interaction with dan patrick talking about uh will ferrell and i thought it made the opening segment of that uh, you know boots on the ground story and there was a pie in the face and you'll have to read it at ndinsider.com if you haven't yet but that was the assignment you know really to this is so out. This is outside of the box, and you know, yes, Notre Dame has been there now three times uh, in the last um, what is that uh, twenty five years, twenty seven mm-hmm. years, and it'll probably happen again if it doesn't happen. Rome, they're talking about, you know, the Rome thing at some point would be nice, but um, Irish on the ground, um, Irish takeover, Irish invasion, all the things that happened there. Uh, got you know some videos up there on ND Insider, and, and the one that you know to see a. Oh, the woman who runs the, uh, Claire, I believe is her name, who runs the Notre Dame Club of New York City. She's co-director. She uh, showed up in an all-leprechaun outfit. I don't know if you saw that, Producer Jerry. She was entirely of course in a leprechaun outfit. I'm getting choked up just thinking about <laughs> it. And, uh, and she was kind enough to, to, uh, to do an on-the-street interview after the, the uh, band and the pep rally. But the real takeaway is Johnny, Johnny Murphy. And uh, talking to Johnny Murphy... Uh, uh, and he got, you know, right in my face and, and, and answered all my stupid questions. Uh, that video is also is, has done pretty well. Got more feedback from that, just interacting with the locals, an actual uh, Irishman uh, who knows basically nothing about American football but was kind enough and, and uh, classic uh, to, uh, to, to talk with me. That, that's the thing. I mean, we, we can talk to these folks here uh, and hear football talk anytime we want. It's fun, uh, the whole, you know, out of fish, whatever, out of the fishbowl kind of thing, and and, uh, worlds colliding. And I learned a little bit about rugby, too, uh, when I was at the uh, Kennedy's Pub, which is the home of the uh, watch parties each week, Tom, for for Notre Dame football, uh, time permitting, because remember, they're five hours ahead. So anything at night, you know, those even even I was stunned to know that the club, the pub sometimes close supposedly as as early as, as midnight. And so... Uh, that kind of puts you in a in a bad spot if you want to have a watch party, uh, as Notre Dame folks abroad. Has the jet lag kicked in, or do you expect it to kick in for you? I, because I'm still, you had a lot yeah. of trouble trying to get oh, back yeah. here to the United States. I did. I want to thank. Uh, I believe the fellow his name was Amadeus. Rock so, me. Yep. Mo- Mozart uh, is now number two on my all time <laughs> list of Amadeus uh, power rankings. It's the guy who works for. Uh, uh, British Airways, because everyone else is very kind. The people you could get, but their chat bot. I'm not. I'm not a fan of their online chat bot. Mm-hmm. Uh, was useless and a uh, real problem <laughs> getting rebooked 
in in any way with the the call in number. You know, could, of course, making any kind of call internationally is 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 tricky, uh, even with T Mobile behind us. But um, couldn't get couldn't Plunk get a human. T-Mobile. But even when you finally got a human, um, the the whole thing. There were a lot of angry folks there at the Dublin airport. I'll tell you. Uh, all day on Monday, and you insist you weren't one of them. No, I was as calm. I as cannot be. believe I went that. all zen. I did. I, I don't believe I you just, have zen I in went, you. I went. Yeah, I do. Oh, I do. I do. And <laughs> and I'm. A, I, you know what? It's inspired me, Tom. I'm gonna go and just just. I was just meditating there. I was just. It was just a. I was deep breathing. All those things you need to do. I did not have a single outburst in in a day plus of of travel heck, and. Um, you know, I think Amadeus uh, and I was making sure that I complimented the people for doing their best. In fact, I was in a spot where I was a peacemaker at one point. There was a very angry uh, group, maybe um, uh, from from perhaps India, and uh, and, they, and they were they were upset with the customer service. And I have worked in customer service before, yes, you know, you the have. Indiana Toll Road. Yep. And so I, I had, and they do a great job over there. They taught me how. My to, iPass doesn't work. You're letting, oh, get this trans- gate to go off. I, I can I can reset. You know, your transponder like nobody's <laughs> business. So uh, we'll do that after the show. One of the things you learn about that is that you know you're you're getting people at their very worst, mm-hmm. so you have to bring yourself up to their very best. And I kind of plugged into that the way. Uh, Teresa Hendricks taught me, and and I and I helped these. I was kind of like a go between. I was an ambassador between British Airways, which was failing and flailing, and this angry family from India. And I calmed them down, and I said, "Amadeus here is doing the best he can. He's doing the best he can. He's very good at this. It's not his fault. It's the system." And they said, "Oh, okay." And then, and eventually they uh, they were rebooked. And then I was rebooked, and I think it's because of the way I handled that. And I'm Got telling you, to the you, head of the line. I'm telling you, it's it's a new it's a new me. The new and improved Mike Berardino. That's a <laughs> long roundabout way to answer whether or not the jet lag is kicked in, which you never well, did I think answer. I, I think I did with that answer. Oh, it's kicked in. So it's kicked in. It's yeah. going. All right. So Dublin scene aside, is Notre Dame that good, or is Navy that bad? Here's the thing, you know, Navy's uh, sports information director is very well regarded, has gotten a lot of run here and does a fine job, gotten a lot of run with a, with a social media post um, here in the last day or so saying that, you know. Uh, Scott Strassmeyer, the yes, Navy SID. From Indiana. From right? Indiana, yeah. yes. Says that um, uh, pu- publicly endorsed saying that this is the best Notre Dame team he has seen. Of course, Navy sees him every year except that 2020 COVID year since 2012. And um, what happened in 2012? Yeah, exactly. And so it started with a 50 to 10 win over Navy and ended with a, a nearly opposite result against um, Alabama. But um, he is put his he's pushed the chips, uh, proverbial chips behind Notre Dame and just saying that from what he saw, that, that might be the best team Notre Dame's had since then. I don't know. They see Notre Dame once a year. Um, Navy is in a coaching turnover uh, after the long uh, positive years of Ken Nui Matalolo. Nia Matalolo. How about that? Nia Matalolo. And, and, and Coach Ken was great. And now uh, this is uh, Coach, Coach Beard. And, uh, and, <laughs> and uh, Coach, Coach Beard, and, of course, the guy from Kennesaw State was running the offense. Whatever. That's last week. But uh, I think to answer your question, uh, to be determined. That was a you know, dream scenario for Notre Dame across mm-hmm. the board. If you could just keep Gabriel Rubio from hurting his knee, everything else was just about perfect. Spencer Schrader missing a field goal, not a big deal. Yeah, but, but you'd still you like to, to you still that. like to see that. You know, he needs to get that going. But uh, 
Yeah, it's just a uh, you know, lovely, lovely time for them all around. But we're not really going to be able to answer that question. Is Notre Dame that good until uh, the Ohio State game? Not next week? We're not going to be able to answer it really until the Ohio State Not game. North Carolina State? Well, if they lose and, at North, or they struggle, uh, yeah. It's a, it's or if a, they play like that against North Carolina State. Oh, it's State. a tester, yeah. No, I mean, it's I'm on test. record saying that's that's the trap game early along with Duke after. As North am State. I. That would yeah. be the trap game, North Carolina State, at noon at Carter-Finley Stadium in Raleigh a week from Saturday. So Yeah. We'll see, but we expected a lot from Sam Hartman. Did you expect that? From Sam Hartman against Navy, 19 of 23, 251 yards, four touchdowns. It just looked like he and Jared Parker have worked together for years instead of months. That was a pretty good debut for Sam Hartman. I know he's a 24-year-old. I know he's a six-year guy. But not to throw one pick, not to put the ball on the ground. It's a pretty good debut from number 10, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's you know, a bigger day for Jared Parker that uh, everything seemed to be, you know, dialed up as though he had the, the cheat codes to what, what Notre Dame had left. Like, you, what did you write? That Notre Dame had left the, the game plan in the lobby or something? That Navy left the left I mean, Navy, the, Navy defensive left it, yeah. game plan in yeah, the lobby of the line. hotel. That was a good line. Thank you. Uh, and that's how, that's how it would appear, at least from a distance in the, in the Kennedy's pub. But uh, I will say that uh, uh, Sam Hartman... I didn't expect him to throw that much, even that. You know, mm-hmm. I expect him to be efficient, but I didn't think he'd need to throw much. Uh, and they really didn't need to throw much. And I'd say the biggest surprise is that apparently uh, this new thing with, with the fumbling is uh, <laughs> I'm looking to – I, I, I want to see that put to the – I don't w- wish fumbling on anyone, but I'm I'm stunned that now we're on record, Marcus Freeman on record, saying that you know there's standard and the reason why Audric Estime missed the last 19 minutes of the first half was because he fumbled it wasn't even a lost fumble but he he let he put the ball on the ground and they have other running backs and uh well he also mentioned that Sam Hartman uh, he said if, if it doesn't matter if it's Audric Estime or Sam Hartman nobody Sam, nobody is bigger nobody, than the program it doesn't the matter standard. if it's Audric Estime or Sam Hartman so we're not going to see much on Saturday as far as drama but what happens? What happens if Sam Hartman's and and Marcus Freeman mentioned it during his press conference on Monday? The way Sam mm-hmm. Hartman, when he rolls out, he doesn't really protect the football. He's got it in one hand. He's kind of moving it around. What if he goes to drop back and has, it gets flushed from the pocket? He's running. It's going to be really hot, maybe in the nineties, <laughs> heat index closer to hundred. What if the ball slips out of his hand? Yep. Do we get Steve Angeli in the first drive? Because as Marcus Freeman has said. Nobody's bigger than the program. Audric Estimate came right out of the game after that fumble. Does Sam Hartman come out after a fumble or, let's say, he throws a pick Yeah. the first series? What happens then? Yeah, well, that's that's the drama. You've given everyone a reason to tune in. We finally found a reason. Uh, and, and I would say that uh, that's uh, odd. That's a little bit odd. I mean, nobody wants to encourage fumbling, but I thought the whole thing about, like, last year when Estimate fumbled – in three three games in a four game stretch, the the whole message was you know we stand behind him we've got his back he's going to keep getting the ball of course they fed him the ball repeatedly at at Syracuse to get him going again and then it was it was smooth sailing from there, but uh, I don't know about that message because uh, it's counterintuitive this mm-hmm. whole idea that uh, you have the support of the coaching staff we're going to help you be at your very best and you have the freedom to 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 make mistakes because that's how you get better you learn from mistakes nope and now it's like oh. One of the very best players on the team puts the ball on the ground one time. <laughs> See you in the second half, maybe. Oh, and by the way, I, I, I wasn't that keen on on, on Estime uh, being fed the ball in the very last series at 42-3 to three 
uh, it felt like a punishment for him to be the guy in garbage time running up the middle, just getting pointless yards. And, of course, this is a guy that was held out of several practices in August for the big picture preservation idea, mm-hmm. uh, limit the load the management, load man, and then suddenly that almost felt like punishment. Yeah, okay, you're going to fumble in the first quarter, then you're going to be the one taking these hits from an angry no- uh, Navy team uh, up forty-two to three. That that struck me as odd. I didn't think we'd see like we heard a lot about late in camp, late in uh, preseason camp about the five-headed monster. I didn't think we'd see all five of them have a major role on Saturday. Four of them did. Devin Ford ran only once for two yards. The other four guys, estimate we've talked about, freshman Jeremiah Love, Jabron Payne, and, whoa, Jadari and Price. They've got some good running backs. No wonder Logan Diggs took the first bus out of town during the offseason. He looked around that running back room and said, for all I did last season, I may not be able to even come close to that. I'm getting out of here, and I'm going home to Louisiana and playing in LSU. I'm going to Baton Rouge because – this running back stable, save for the Audric Estime fumble, that's a pretty impressive room. One game into this season, now a lot may change as we move forward, but Dylan McCullough has a lot of pieces he can work with with that group. No doubt. Um, and I'll estimate, I will say there, there was a throw to estimate one of his catches over the middle was a poor ball placement, I would say, from uh, Hartman, because it, it kind of was it was off target, and and estimate took a shot there, um, and so that kind of got lost in the miss of of Dublin, but something to watch there that um, you know if if you're going to be <laughs> running estimate uh, into the pass game, uh, let's keep him out in the flat and let's not put him in 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 harm's way where he's unprotected right over them. It was a weird play. It was awkward. He had to you know, twist his body, but. Um, yeah, they have a lot of weapons there. They have a lot of weapons on the, on, uh, on the receiving game, and, and we saw that. Good to see Jaden Greathouse come right out of the chute. And, you know, he's slippery. Remember that was Chancey Stuckey's <laughs> word going back to the spring. It uh, doesn't matter what, you know, in the zone, red zone, wherever you put him, whatever you try to do against him, he finds the open space. He's got, he's, his uh, football IQ is very, very high. And I would have loved to have seen the different camera view of his second touchdown where Sam Hartman's scrambling out of the pocket. I would have loved to have seen the camera view in the end zone as to, A, what route Jaden Greathouse ran on that play and what he did to get himself open in the corner of the end zone, not just standing still, not like, oh, he's a freshman, his first game, the quarterback's on a move, what do I do? Jaden Greathouse got himself open, got that second touchdown, and it's like that kid's just different for a true freshman playing his first game. They had a rapport in the spring game, right? They did. From the very beginning with Hartman and Greathouse. Um and uh, you know, eleven catches in that spring game for what it was worth, but um, you know he also if you, you know you put the ball in his area, he's going to catch it too. I mean the, the percentage of targets hauled in by Great House uh, from what we've seen is is pretty darn high. The um, you know with the receiving group, I, I am a little bit um, confused why. Uh, and I, I think one of the you know these are just nitpicks, but you'd like to you'd like to know why. Uh, there wasn't a better chemistry with Tobias Merriweather mm-hmm. with just two targets, and he had a ton of snaps out there, um, 35 offensive snaps. Jaden Thomas had 38 in certain the, the four catches that would go along with it. Greathouse is only out there for eight snaps offensively and comes down with three catches. And, of course, Deion Colsey, who you spoke with, uh, was out there for seven uh, snaps offensively and comes down with three. So that was incredible that's, that's efficiency. Pretty efficient. But 0 for 35 – on Tobias and just and just two targets, perhaps he was getting a little extra attention. I don't know, but something to watch moving forward because 
the whole narrative of the offseason was, you know, Tobias is ready to explode here. He's ready to, to burst forward and and uh, and had had moments like that in in open periods in fall, but uh, not against Navy. Before we get out of here, the first segment have to touch on the defense being able to hold them to really really zero points. Like they they get that token field goal at the end. Defensively, what stood out for you with with Al Golden's group? The first two plays when Navy's got the ball, and I tweeted, I said, first two plays, uh oh. And then somebody tweeted me back after the after Navy hit a good a big gainer on the third play, uh oh. And you thought it was going to be one of those funky games for the defense, but they kind of settled in. What caught your eye defensively from Notre Dame? Well, Al Golden talked about it in his availability that um, and it was really transparent about the fact that <laughs> we they, love transparency. We, we expect that, you know, that, that well, we don't expect that. But when we have it, we have to appreciate it. Uh, Al Golden just said basically Notre Dame had, had prepared for a certain uh, quite a wide menu of plays and then formations. And they had never seen two fullbacks, I guess, in, in one formation, not just Fofana. And uh, they had a second fullback. It wasn't a slot back. And they, those guys on the field had to solve the problem. He's talked about solving the problem on the grass, and it was actually grass there. And uh, that's what they were able to do. There was a lot of in-game communication. That's where it really helped, as we've written, that that has you know, that linebacker core, very experienced. It was nice, you know, Kaiser and Bertrand, they're going to they're gonna solve the riddle in real time. But Maris Leofau, for that to be one of his, maybe his signature game uh, after all this, um, expectation and, and coming back from injury. Al Golden also mentioning that that Leofau basically last year was never right uh, physically, or at least mm-hmm. what they had to watch it with him coming off a very serious lower leg injury. Broken uh, leg. He yeah, broke his leg yeah, in I mean, camp the it, previous it was, year. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that was, it was, could have been career-ending. Mm-hmm. So last year where people were like, well, why isn't he more efficient? Well, maybe that was part of it, that he was still you know not able to just risk everything, go sell out entirely when there was a play to be made, and now he, he seemed to be doing that. We have put a bow now officially on Notre Dame Navy. The Irish moved to 1-0, 42-3 to over the midshipmen in Dublin, Ireland. We'll take a break, come back here on Pot of Gold, and deep dive. Mike Berardino has pages and pages of notes on Tennessee State. We'll get to that right after this. Back at the WNDU studios, home of Countdown to Kickoff, you'll be able to see Trisha Sloma, Chuck Freebie, and two knuckleheads from the South Bend Tribune, one of them who's wearing, still wearing his tie, Mike Berardino. Jerry Garcia. Yeah, same outfits, exact same outfits minus two coats that you'll see on TV. Same, yeah, absolutely. How the, often does that happen? That's amazing. Yeah, I right? know, and especially since we taped that like three days ago, we're still wearing the same. We're still wearing the same clothes. Time's a fourth dimensional concept. Just don't even try. <laughs> <laughs> Producer Jerry chiming in too. Sneak in every once in a while. Eh, there sneak might be in. Here. Now Who's, you guys go back to football. All right, no, no, no who's he, Mizzou have this week? <laughs> uh, South Dakota Thursday. Ooh, watch out for the. Jackrabbits? South Dakota State? Yeah. That's South Dakota State, just South oh, Dakota. Oh, oh uh, USD. Yes, yes, USD. Yeah. Uh, I have no clue what to expect. Yeah. Well, that makes two of us. Actually, makes three of us because we have <laughs> absolutely no clue what to expect from Tennessee State. The only thing I know about Tennessee State is Eddie George is not suiting up. He is not going to run the football. The, the Heisman Trophy winner from Ohio State who ran over Notre Dame the last time he played Notre Dame State in Notre Dame Stadium. So Eddie George is the coach of Tennessee State. Other than that, Mike Berardino, what do we know about the Tigers? Well, uh, Marcus Freeman told us that uh, that they take the ball away and they don't turn it over, and that's a sign of a good team. So I guess they're a good team. 
they uh, they were four and seven last year. That good team, and they lost at home to Southeast Missouri State, forty-two to nothing. And I bring that up. That was last November. Bring that up because Southeast Missouri State this week is playing at Kansas State, and that game is not uh, able to be wagered upon. There is no line. It's no off line. the board. That's there's so many games like that, and this is Notre Dame and Tennessee State is understandably one of those. But consider this. Dear listeners, that a team that Tennessee State lost to 42 to nothing late in its season in 2022, just last year, is playing at Kansas State, which is excellent. You know, Notre Dame quality. And that game is considered to be such a, a blowout in the making that you cannot wager on it, not even a line of 60 or anything like that. So transitive property tells me that, no, obviously, Notre Dame could name the score. What do we know about Tennessee State, you know, individually? Uh, I just think that. Some it, one of the markers of this would be that Eric Eric George, Eddie's son, is a freshman, a true freshman, just got there, six foot two, two hundred eighty pound defensive end from Montgomery Bell Academy there uh, in Nashville, and wasn't incredibly well recruited despite the the obvious great uh, DNA, but uh, he's they're expecting Eddie George is expecting Coach Eddie George expecting to put his son out there at Notre Dame Stadium at some point, and uh, you know. That's just a, uh, a, a, a grotto visit would be in order for them. And, and also a pay raise for the team neurologist. I'd also like to suggest in advance that as a, as a kind of a show of hospitality that the, uh, the Tennessee State Tigers are allowed to play this game with the Guardian cap on the helmets because I just think that's safe and sound. And, and, and it's, you know, obviously this is a, it's a glorified exhibition. And, and, the, and the true stars of the game well, most likely will be the uh, aristocrat of bands, and the sophisticated ladies who are the dance team that goes with the award-winning aristocrat of bands, which uh, I was looking online at, you know, they have their own website, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I, it's going to be great. They uh, they actually performed on national television at halftime of a Bears-Rams game in 1955. So we're seeing something with, uh, you know, three-quarters of a century of, uh, of legacy, and, uh, and and that's cool. That's cool. But you just hope you just hope all the, you know everybody gets through it okay, and there's enough juice slices or, or orange slices to go around at the end. So why play this game? Well, it's a fine question. I mean, basically, uh, it, you're coming you, rather than have a bye week, which would be the the typical way that you would want to come off of something like a trip to Dublin, um, even with the the Beats headphones that Sam Hartman gave everyone, um, I, I, even with the uh, the special first class class sleep pod area that uh, the starters got to be in. You'd Did like you get to a sleep a, pod? Sleep uh, sleep pod? No, 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 no you, sleep you pod. Got a I had a middle seat, seat pal. Come on. A middle seat you can't get back. a middle seat. To, who is your travel agent? Even. I need to take over your travel arrangements. I'm you can't get a middle seat all the way to, lo- to London. And oh, no, on, on the, the way there, I had well, on the way there. On the way there, since you're you're travel geek, I, I had I had an aisle, um, but it was I did not look closely at, uh, enough at the at the diagram. And I had the aisle seat right next to one of the uh, restrooms. Oh, you ever have that? So that's you know it it could have been a lot worse. It could have been. Could but have been the, you're worse. always being disturbed. People like, getting up. I felt like I should just get I should be tipped every time somebody went by. <laughs> I should just I should have just done that thing. And just at, at some of the establishments, I should just put my hand out there. I, I could have, you know, gotten, a, a, you know, knocked off some of the expenses. But 
I was the I was the monitor. Restroom policeman, Mike Veradino. I would kind of oh. like when people would walk up and not be sure if somebody was in there. I felt like it was my job to say, "Well, they were they've been, they've been in there about thirty seconds, and they'll be out soon." I don't think it's that level. And then uh, and then the, it, sometimes there'd be frustration there. So yeah, I was doing a lot of uh, stuff outside of my element. But uh, what was your question? Uh, why play this game? Oh yeah, why play this game? Well, because they had a press conference. And everybody showed up for it about a, a 15 months ago or something. And it was it like that it, long ago? Sounded, it was like uh, Fernando was with us then. So it was, and he wrote the story, and we wish him well. So uh, that uh, uh, that was Shout that's, out how long, that's how long ago it was. It was the <laughs> Fernando period. And uh, the Fernando should we call it the Fernando, Fernando era? Fernando era, <laughs> Fernando era. And um, uh, he was so excited about it that day. I think I can say. Uh, like right up to the time the press conference was about to start, he was watching like Premier League soccer on his phone. <laughs> he, I mean, he was so into that potential of attention. And then that was one where uh, Jerome Bettis was there, of course. Yeah, ah. And he got up and asked one of the questions. And so it was just kind of a, a yuck fest at the time. It sounded like, you know, okay, what, what could go wrong? And then it came out a little bit later that Notre Dame was going to give a representative mm-hmm. a check of $1 million to, to, for the guarantee, just to put that in perspective, because I'm sure our most savvy listeners no, but just this weekend, uh, one million dollars to Tennessee State for the for the visit up here is um, is probably a little on the high end of what um, you would want to pay a school from an FCS program that's not going to help your case at all as far as data points. You hear a lot about Notre Dame because it's not in a conference, not having that thirteenth data point to impress the committee and get into a playoff. Well. Uh, this year there's 11 data points because they're, they're not getting anything, uh, no extra juice for this. But like with Central Michigan, which is on Notre Dame's schedule and will get $1.2 million to come here in a couple of weeks, uh, when they play at Michigan State this week, it's $1.75 million for the visit. Auburn's paying UMass $1.95 million. Don Brown coached UMass, former Michigan uh, defense coordinator. Um, Michigan's paying East Carolina, uh, dangerous East Carolina, $1.8 million. Um, this week, and um, you know that's in that range, one point six, a lot of one point six, one point fives. Um, it's a, it's you know, it also strikes me they call this week one. This should be week zero. Forget the chronology chronology of it. There's a lot of junky matchups, Tom. This is it week is. zero to me. It is, uh, but it's week two for Notre Dame. Like everybody says, uh, it's week one. I know. It's week two for the Irish. It throws They're everything off. It throws everything off. You talk about data points and how this one's not going to matter. It really doesn't matter about data points this year for Notre Dame because here are three data points that will matter for Notre Dame yeah. in the schedule. USC, Clemson, Ohio State. I know you're going to play Central Michigan. I know you're going to play Tennessee State. God knows what the what the ACC has because it seems like we go through this every single year that Notre Dame has its ACC schedule. Watch out for these guys. Watch out for this. This could be a trap game. Why This team's going to be good. And then it turns out that Notre Dame just rolls over the ACC. So, who knows what the ACC holds for the Irish? We'll get to that eventually. But as long as you have USC, Clemson, and Ohio State, all top 10 teams on your schedule, your data points at the end of the year are going to be pretty good. Oh, you'd have to think um, what it does, though, giving away, like playing a useless FCS team. You know, it's a store. I'm not, not a useless school, a wonderful school, HBCU mm-hmm. history. Richard Dent played there. Look at Claude you throwing Humphrey. out. You, 
Ed Tutal Jones played there. None of, of those guys are going to be able eligible this weekend. Bro- no Richard Dent. Not no Tutal Jones. They're through that door. Joe Gilliam, Broadway Joe Gilliam, not walking through that door. They're not walking through that that small tunnel that no. they have to go out no. through at the end of Notre Dame Stadium. But I, you know, I'm not suggesting that you would want to go out and say and, and schedule the next time you have an FCA if there's a next time. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you only have 12 guaranteed opportunities, so you could say 12 guaranteed potential data points. Um, you don't want to face one of those perennial uh, national champion contenders, but maybe uh, an FCS school that's in that 20 to 40 range in their power rankings. Uh, don't go this far down. This is how far down is Notre Dame going? Well, you know, I, I look back at Jeff Sagarin's year-end rankings, and he actually does something where he crunches multiple levels together, um, the IU grad, the, uh, the mathematician. And uh, to put it in perspective, Marshall – Last year, what end, ended the year as number 70 in the country for Jeff Sager. And, of course, Notre Dame had, you know, the, the spit up uh, at home against Marshall. Uh, Stanford was 87. Uh, bad Stanford team. Tennessee State it was 204th uh, last year on the, uh, remember, there's about 135 uh, FBS teams. When you crunch in FCS, Tennessee State was 204th last year ahead of Tennessee State would be uh, schools like Utah Tech at 192, Monmouth at uh, 195, and uh, behind, just behind the Tennessee State Tigers on Jeff Sagarin's year-end rankings, uh, Charleston Southern, which was 209. Why do I bring them up? That's where Autry Denson, former Notre Dame running back, great, uh, went 2-8 and eight, uh, yeah, and didn't got work fired. Out for him. Got fired. So essentially, imagine if this were the Autry Denson return and he didn't get fired and he was bringing Charleston Southern in here. Uh, that's kind of what you're looking at, and so I think it's important to uh, run it through that filter before you you uh, you know. And the other thing is, do we know? Uh, is there any kind of uh, discounted ticket plan, or is there some sort of uh, you know a, a freebie kind of thing? A Chuck freebie, Chuck freebie? giveaway. Uh, it was, it was funny the other day when Marcus Freeman uh, during his Monday press conference said he's looking forward to a packed Notre Dame stadium on Saturday, mm-hmm. and I kind of looked at it and I was like, really? Pack for this one. A sellout for Tennessee State on a hot Saturday afternoon. I know it's the first home game of the season, but I think that's going to be a, a, a tall task and a big ask of Notre Dame fans to turn around, especially all of them that went to Dublin, turn around, come back to, to South Bend, Indiana for this weekend, and basically watch, a, like you have said, a glorified scrimmage. So pack Notre Dame Stadium. I don't think they're packing Notre Dame Stadium until September 23rd. Yeah, but you know, Central Michigan, even the, the same kind of, you know, at least that's a Mac school, and the Mac can can you know, look what what uh, what happened with Toledo. That was near disaster uh, just two years ago at home. But uh, uh, no, it's oh, it's it's all it's four game run up to Ohio State. Just you know, not not exactly dress rehearsals in each case, but certainly not at NC State. That's not a dress rehearsal. But um, the the schedule is is it's an interesting approach to it, and uh, and quite different from last year where the, the Notre Dame was still recovering psychologically from the loss, a, a, clo- a, a very competitive loss at Ohio State, uh, was still kind of stuck in that moment when Marshall came in and we saw what happened. Yeah, there was, this will not be a Marshall repeat in any no. way, shape, or form. No, and I don't see any Marshall potential on the horizon, even with Central Michigan. That was a bad team as well. I believe a team picked to finish fourth this year in the MAC in its division. Um, so it is kind of really what... You, if you're a Notre Dame, you know, if you're parsing these, uh, these, these reading the tea leaves, you're really watching what 
what happens with Ohio State in the run-up to mm-hmm. this. They're going to open as 30-point favorites at Indiana this week. And uh, Kyle McCord is the starting quarterback, but apparently it, it's con- it's still like something that's going to be reevaluated if necessary. It Devin might be Brown, an or situation. Well, he, Kyle McCord's the guy, but they feel like it, when uh, Ryan Day saying flat out that they you know that it was very very close and they had to name somebody, but Devin Brown will play as well. So if you're Notre Dame, if you're inside the Goog, you're kind of hoping that thing just becomes a full on quarterback battle because neither one is all that. It's pretty hard to, to follow what they've had there recently. Great reputations for both McCord and Brown, but untested. If you're inside the Goog and you're Marcus Freeman, what do you want to see this weekend from your team? No injuries. Get through it healthy. Get through healthy. Um, you want to see um, no, you know, the, the usual things, but you also want to get uh, so, some feet wet, or some more feet wet you know, within the parameters of what you're planning with the four games for those who are already on the list to be expected as red shirts this year. And that, and that list might include people like Braylon James um, based on what we've, we've seen and heard so far. So um, you're looking for, it was nice to see the backup offensive linemen get their feet wet. Remember last year, it was very hard to get backup offensive yeah. linemen into the game ever, ever. Yeah, like already, you're, you're thinking maybe Marshall and then, Oh no, not uh, maybe Cal. No, not Cal. Yeah. Couldn't guys, do that. They this, were able to get, this week you can like, would you be stunned if Sam Hartman comes out for a series in the third quarter? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even sure he makes it to halftime. Really? If it goes, yeah, I think it's uh, it kind of depends. I'm, I'm, it's feeling like, um, you know, a couple of defensive scores for Notre Dame in the offing. Maybe I think I, I feel like there'll be a punt return for a Uh-oh. touchdown here for Chris punt Tyree. Return. I think they're going to score in all three phases, and it's just a matter of um, padding the stats while not being rude to your Visitors, and so you have to be hospitably uh, dominant. And uh, I, I think that um, you know people want to see the Angeli part. But I'll be interested to see how many series, uh, you know, the, the second team offensive line, which uh, against Navy involved Baker and Shrouth and Wagner, uh, Ashton Craig and and Christophic. And I'd like to see those guys all have a couple of series as well. Um, these are the kinds of things uh, you're going to want to see. You're going to see. Uh, Guys who are already on that list to not possibly make it past four games this mm-hmm. year, that's not the plan unless just an injury, you know, rash of injuries. You're, those guys should get multiple series in this game. What's it all mean? Again, glorified scrimmage. It really is. I mean, it's going to be hot. It's going to be September. But it's really like we're back in April with the spring game. Without Tyler Buckner, of course. So... Yeah, I mean, I mean, you you raised the point too about you know would we see Minchie uh, even and yeah, why not? Right. Why not? Why not? It doesn't all have to be uh, you know how much. Basically, you know, everybody who uh, you just wants to get the feet wet and uh, and have something positive happens and and check a box here, um, get on the field at Notre Dame Stadium. This is their opportunity, um, and um, yeah, it's a it's a weird it's a weird situation. It is. And uh, if you're Eddie George, I mean, it's got to. Got to, it's those butterflies are not about um, uh, just about performance. It's about getting out of there healthy and and uh, but he's you know he's finding time to make personal appearances while he's in town and he's gonna uh, give a little speech over at there be on a panel I think at Mendoza so he's finding ways as the you know he's all, all, he's, he's done it in every aspect but um, he's making time for that kind of tells you how he thinks it's gonna go. All right, it's prediction time. What do you have? Tennessee State, Notre Dame, Notre Dame Stadium on Saturday kickoff. 3.30, an hour later than, than usually normal at 2.30. So 3.30 kick with the Irish, with the Tigers. 
A, can Notre Dame break 50, and B, can Tennessee State score? Mike Berardino, what do you have? Were you at that um, that game with the American Medical back in 1905? <laughs> Did you cover that? I think Jerry was there. I think uh, I think you were just Jerry was there. podcasting I know for the, American Medical. You we, wonder I'm so good at this. Right. So, American Medical uh, came in here. A lot of people, you know, thought maybe they could give them a run, and it was 142 to nothing. 142 <laughs> to nothing. Um, and then Notre Dame uh, Henry McGlue's uh, group back. And they only they only went five and four back in 1905 in the Bull Moose era. They uh, they come back the next week and they beat DePaul seventy one nothing. So how about that back to back weeks, uh, two hundred really testing themselves there to nothing, um, and still lost four times that year. Uh, it's going to be more like uh, what happened. You know, Notre Dame could name the score. I don't think they're going to run it up. I don't think they'll. You know, that's the tricky thing. You're, you got Angeli out there. You want to throw it a little bit, but you don't want to be ridiculous. You right. see throwing when it's fifty to nothing, fifty nine nothing. I think they'll keep it under sixty. There's no way Tennessee's going to score. Tennessee State scores. There's no way. I, I mean, I'm not sure they're going to get the ball across midfield. I don't think we're giving it. I don't think. I think the Eddie George glitz and that, people who want this to seem like something worth paying to watch, they're going to keep mentioning Eddie George. But again, as we pointed out, neither Eddie George nor anybody from their proud history there, a place with 12 uh, HBCU national championships. Uh, is coming on the field. It's um, it's a group. It's a it's a program that's being rebuilt. They're in the middle of a of a multi year rebuild, and uh, you know what? What the other confusing thing we haven't. I can't believe we made it this far not mentioning Deion Sanders. Jackson. Why? What, what, well, Jackson State is a team that Tennessee State plays. They're going to play them this year. They played them last year. Played them pretty well. And so people might think, oh, Jackson State. You know that was a pretty good product, and they got on NBC, and we watched them. Beat Grambling and you know De- got Dion to Colorado and and so maybe Tennessee State's kind of like that and I I just don't think that uh, aspect uh, would apply I, I'd be stunned by that um, I think it's going to get ugly early. Final score fifty nine nothing. No, I was not at the American Medical game, but I have been around this beat long enough to the point where I did cover a Notre Dame Rutgers game when Rutgers was not Rutgers. Notre Dame wins sixty to six and yours truly was in charge of filing not one, but two stories from the Rutgers point of view. So that was a long afternoon for Hmm. me in old Notre Dame Stadium back when they held 59,075. Long afternoon for the Scarlet Knights. From the Rutgers point of view. We used to do do two features on the opponents for every Notre Dame home football game. That's when we had more than three people on staff, though, Mm -hmm. too. So, yeah, yeah, I I was the opponent guy way back... Way back in early in my Notre Dame career, when I had hair, when we didn't have podcasts. At, at right, who, who would it have been in nineteen ninety six? Maybe I don't yeah. even remember. Pre Shiano, it was way pre Shiano, yeah. pre Ray Rice, pre everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I hope uh, you don't have to do that to this week. With oh, I am not writing anything Tennessee State. Jerry, our producer. They like, are the Tigers, though. They are the Tigers. Jerry's like, hey, hey have you any? You guys have any <laughs> trouble getting hold of Tennessee State? The, the Notre Dame football columnist for the South Bend Tribune is not thinking anything Tennessee State. I'm already looking forward to our flight to Raleigh next week and, and going down there to North Carolina, playing North Carolina State. So Mike says 50, 59 to nothing. 59. I will go 52 to nothing. Notre Dame will score seven touchdowns. I don't know if they'll get a special teams touchdown, but let's see Spencer Schrader hit a nice field goal. He did not get one at Navy. He missed his only attempt. So 
52 to nothing. Notre Dame beats Tennessee State. They'll move to 2 and 0. We'll be back here from the WNDU studios, your home to countdown to kickoff next week on the next Pot of Gold episode. Until then, we'll see you. This is ND Insider's Pot of Gold. Now, with all things Notre Dame football, here's Tom Noy, Mike Berardino, and Austin Huff.